Hello and welcome to the Sleep Teacher Pod, the podcast for all the parents out there who just want sleep. I'm Christy, owner of The Sleep Teacher, and I am joined by my colleague, Beth. If you are in the trenches of sleep deprivation, we see you, we feel you, and trust us, this podcast is going to become your new BFF. We want you to know that you can still be a lovingly attached parent and get good sleep. You don't have to choose between the two. So pop Bub in the carrier, grab yourself a coffee, put those headphones in, because we have all the sleep tips coming your way. Let's get napping, Mama. Hello, everybody. It's Christy and Beck from The Sleep Teacher. How are you all going? Hello, hello. Good, good. Feels like forever ago, the whole lead up to Christmas and whatnot, but... The blur. It is. Isn't it from December 25 to like New Year's Day where you just, no one knows what day it is and you're just eating and drinking and sitting in the pool if you have one? Oh, yeah. That's where you'll find me. That's where you'll find me. (laughs) No, you'll be in the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) That too. That too. Today's episode actually is quite... Uh, an emotional one. So this is a little bit of a trigger warning for anyone who is going to continue listening. Um, well, it's only me actually in this episode. Beck wasn't on this one. So Beck, you haven't even listened to it yet, but we're speaking to the lovely Emily. So Emily is a mum. She's actually from Michigan and she started following us on Instagram and like instantly I saw her Instagram handle and it was Ellie's voice underscore safe sleep. And I was like, wow, okay. And I knew straight away, I like I instantly knew what it was and I went and I followed. And anyway, we got talking and her mission now in honor of Ellie is to not only stop any family having to go through what Emily's going through and her husband but also any other children because she feels that, you know, there's just not enough education out there, enough resources just in terms of not so much SIDS, but surface sharing and the possibility of something like this happening, whether it be on a lounge while you're giving them a bottle or on a baby lounger and the rocking chair. Mm. Yeah, huge ones. And it's a really hard story to tell, but she's an amazing person. And the fact that this is now her mission is, you know, it, it's... It's not a fear mongering. It is just knowledge oh, and education. Of, yeah. yeah. And you'll hear in the episode, like I even talk about too, like where I've woken up in the night and I had fallen asleep feeding my child and I physically had to put boundaries in place from that moment because I knew that this wasn't safe and I knew that I had to physically change what I was doing and get out of bed because I was putting myself in a situation that could have ended a lot differently and I could have been like Emily and I honestly don't think there'd be many people that couldn't say they haven't almost dozed off feeding or almost fallen asleep holding Mm. their baby. There's a really good story to tell and I think like I said it's a bit of a trigger warning because it is you know horrible outcome but She's trying to turn her horrible circumstance into stopping any other families having to go through what she has and still is going through. So, yeah, brace yourself. Um, But I think that it's something that we all should hear as parents. Before we dive in in podcast news, I don't know why, but there's so many of you listening in Spain and Germany at the moment. So 
Hello. <laughs> Thank you for joining in. Um, we have so many great episodes coming to you this year and thank you for sticking with us for the past few months as we navigated this new <laughs> podcast world or well, new to us. But yeah, we've got lots of episodes coming your way. So please keep your suggestions coming and hope you all find today's episode. Um, I hope you get a takeaway out of it anyway. Mm. Okay, let's dive in. Hello, Emily. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'll just sort of fill in our listeners. I came across Emily on Instagram, so she started following our page and I was immediately drawn to your Instagram handle and I instantly sent it to Beck, who's one of our sleep consultants and you've probably seen her on the podcast as well. And I was like, oh my gosh, your story is just it is so relatable. And I think your bio says you're the example. And I 100% understand where you're coming from. And it speaks to me so strongly because I feel that your story is probably 99.9% .9 of parents put themselves in that situation and their kids in that situation. And you essentially were the exception not the rule. And I think if we can have a little bit more knowledge into, you know, safe sleeping and surface sharing, there would be less chances of your situation occurring. And that is what you're here to do. And you want to spread that message in honor of Ellie. And as hard, I'm sure it is for you to speak about this. I know that you're probably deep down so passionate about getting this message across. Yeah. So because I lost her at three months, she was, you know, a few days from being four months old. You know, imagine losing your infant. For our listeners, let's rewind yeah. and let them know. Okay. So like I just said, I'm so grateful for you coming on today to talk about this. It's so strong of you. Um, Emily lost her little girl, Ellie, this year at the age of three months to surface sharing. And she's very bravely come on to share this story. So would you like to share a little bit about Ellie and your story? Just give our listeners a bit of an insight yeah, into this. Sure. So I am 38 years old. I was 37 when I got pregnant with Ellie and we're not married. My boyfriend, Brian, he is a year younger than me. So he was 36. We had decided to try to get pregnant before marriage because what is a timeline if I'm not going to be able to get pregnant down the road, you know? So um, I was able to get pregnant with Ellie. After three months, we were so happy. I lived in a condo at the time and we were selling the condo to look for a house. And in the US, it's crazy looking for real estate. So we're currently with my parents. We sold the condo. I had a beautiful baby shower, the baby shower of my dreams. I was nesting. I was so happy. I have the books here. I was reading all the books about what to expect in the first year. I had uh, these fatherly type books that dads would be more prone to read geared towards them. I did not take parenting classes. Reason being is because I helped raise both of my nieces who are now six and 11. I mean, very hands-on. My sister-in-law said, I trust you implicitly with them. I love kids. I love babies. So you felt quite equipped. Even if you're a first-time mom, if you've had nieces and nephews and you just feel like I know, or I'm reading what the doctors are giving me. I'm reading the pamphlets. It's not like I'm being dismissive, right? So I go through my pregnancy and at the hospital, I have my beautiful daughter. She was by C-section. I remember being in the hospital room and them saying, don't fall asleep with her. We'll put her in the bassinet, which 
of course, you know, it's great that they say that. We, I was there for a few days at the hospital and at discharge, a nurse came in with a checklist. She didn't say she had a checklist, but she was holding this clipboard like she had a checklist. And it was like she was trying to cross everything off. And I remember her saying, did you read the safety pamphlet on the windowsill? We just wanted to get out of there. Like every other mom, we're exhausted. We want to get home with our new baby after being there for three days, assuming I know everything, assuming my baby's going to be fine. You know, I said, yes, we did. So she, she was fine with that answer, checked off her box and on our way we went. What was on the safety checklist? Do you know? Or you, you don't? You know what? I don't know. Well, once we got Ellie home, I was in baby bliss. He was in baby bliss. It, it was a bubble. She yeah. was perfect. Our little bubble, our tired bubble, our happy bubble. You know, I went back to work after nine weeks and he went back to work. Brian's mom would watch Ellie or on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Brian... So he's a personal trainer. So he would go train women early at 5.30 in the morning here in the state. And then he would come home at 7.30, pick up Ellie and go take her to his mom. And he loved it. That was his time with her. He just, he adored it. So that day she passed away. Yeah. So can Um, you take us through, like, if if you don't mind, what happened on that day? What? Yeah. Okay. Just a normal day, I'm assuming. Yeah. Ellie went to Brian's mom's house and she watched Ellie for the day. Around 3 p.m., Brian got home with Ellie. And I remember I was working on my computer and I was on Microsoft Teams with one of my colleagues. So Brian walked in. I made Ellie a bottle. I changed her diaper really quick. And I said, I have to finish work, watch her for me, and then I'll come grab her when I'm done working. Like any other mom, right? Let me make sure that diaper was changed, made sure, you know, she was due for a bottle. I have time now. Daddy's got her. He took her and I finished my work day probably for another hour and a half. And when I went downstairs to get Ellie, Brian was sitting on a sofa recliner with her, but he was not reclined. Okay. He was holding her like every day. Was he giving her the bottle in the chair or had had he... Yeah. Brian had sat down in the chair because he was giving her the bottle. And I had told him, by the way, he was a dad who took that direction. That's why yeah. I don't I don't blame him. He took that direction no. from mom. I said, make sure she sits up for 10 minutes after she eats because she has gas and this and the other thing. So Brian was holding his little girl. He fed her and he accidentally dozed off. And when I went to get her an hour and a half later... As I approached Brian and Ellie in the chair, I I couldn't see her head. So I screamed her name and her head was, it's like he twitched in his sleep and her head went behind his bicep somehow and she was smothered. So I had to pick up my little girl lifeless. She wasn't cold. She wasn't purple. She was fine, but she was gone. I knew she was gone. And I just screamed her name And Brian woke up in shock out of a dead sleep, which is heartbreaking that he was in a dead sleep and he was trying to resuscitate her and she was gone. And so she was just laying on the floor on the carpet and I, I ran outside and was screaming to the neighbors who were outside that my baby died, my baby died. And the cops and paramedics and detectives arrived and it was awful. I mean, I just remember thinking that my baby's gone. I, yeah. We were just supposed to leave for Florida for the 4th of July and she's gone. I can't, it, it's, it, it's an absolute nightmare. You go from one way of life 
to a completely different way of life within seconds. I mean, it's inhumane what happens when you're not. And the reason I want to spread awareness about Ellie is because I was a good mom. I was hold her head, hold her head, hold her head, make sure this, make sure this. I'm so mad at myself that when people lay their baby on their chest, why wasn't that more of a red flag to me? And we didn't fall asleep with her in the bed. I, yeah, so you I, weren't you co-sleeping as such. I know that obviously what happened to Ellie wasn't in a bed. Yeah, and yes. I think that's where your main sort of voice is coming from yes. too. It's, you know, you don't have to share a bed for something like this to happen. Right. And you obviously didn't go into parenthood saying, I want to co-sleep. Is that correct? So it wasn't anything I was interested in doing because I wasn't interested in doing it. I didn't do any research on it. Yeah. So had I done research on co-sleeping, it would have popped out to me. They have something here in the States called the Sleep 7. I don't know if you guys, yeah. is that something? Yeah, so we have the Red Nose Guidelines, which is sort of similar. Like Ours is like, yeah, don't bed share. The cot needs to be, you know, within Australian standards. Don't smoke and drink alcohol and all yeah. those sort of things. But in terms of the Red Nose Guidelines, there are some safe co-sleeping guidelines you can follow. But generally speaking, it is more about yeah each child having their own safe sleep. What bothers me is that in the material I've seen either by pamphlet or whether it be educating myself now that Ali has passed away, searching for safe sleep, safe infants, sleep safety, things like that, it still says they have to sleep by themselves, do it safely. But there's nothing mentioned about, I mean, how many parents are sitting in a chair how many dads are sitting in a chair watching football with their Absolutely. baby and doze off? How many people? And I mean, it's just insane to me that something that basic isn't pounded in our heads. It's yeah. not just the bed. There are easy ways in seconds you can lose your child. And because I know I was a good mother and I feel like I was failed by the medical professionals around me or my daughter was failed because not everyone's taking parenting classes and yeah. they have a duty of care to these babies to make sure. Yeah. The thing is too, as you've sort of seen in your situation, it is something so minuscule, just that moment of simply giving your baby a bottle. And in those early weeks, we are all so sleep deprived. Yourself mm -hmm. and Brian back at work in less than nine weeks, you obviously were so fatigued as well. And it doesn't take much, but it's just trying to have that education of, yeah, okay, yeah. how can we make this work? How yeah. can we make this just that little bit safer and avoid? The way I'm looking at this is I want to help every mom and dad out there. It's not acceptable that it happened to my daughter. It shouldn't happen to anyone else. So in order to ensure that your child is safe, as soon as you become pregnant, you're not going to be told everything that you need to know by the medical professionals around you. Assume that you have to really know infant safety. Along with co-sleeping and safe infant sleep in general, go ahead and look into infant safety. For any of the Australian listeners who are currently joining us, there is quite a good pamphlet, which I think I actually shared with you, Emily, too, by email, which is sharing a sleep surface with a baby. And like, again, like it has a quote on sofa sharing and sleeping on the parents' chests and all that. And it does highlight the increased risks of SUDI and, and SIDS 
from simple things. It actually highlights, like I'll read this, it says, often parents or carers will fall asleep unintentionally on a sofa or couch and there is a very high risk of a sleeping accident in this situation as the baby may become wedged into cushions or the back of the sofa. So there is information out there on that. But like you're saying as well, Emily, I feel that it sort of just slips under the radar. It's not drilled into you. And it's just something, like you said, yep, you're aware of the safety guidelines. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, can you tell me what those guidelines are before you leave? Think about everything else that there's so many guidelines and we must do this and things we're told on repeat when we get on an airplane. Think about when we get on an airplane, the things we have to listen to. Oh, we know. We know where the yes. exits are. We've heard this we can on do every this for a baby. We yeah. can do this for a baby. Like basic infant safety, like a verbal yeah. requirement at the hospital and your first pediatrician visit. Our antenatal classes as well here are so come for a tour of the birth suite. Even breastfeeding classes and things, they're not like they're not that thorough. Like there's not a lot of information, especially when it comes to safe sleeping. It's usually a pamphlet inside a little goodie bag you've been handed at the hospital. And for look, 100% honest, and I'm probably speaking myself, I'm more excited about the little freebies in there, the little samples of nappy creams and nappies. And that's the thing. I think it's just being aware of the repercussions of just something so minuscule. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. And yeah, if we can just start to, I guess, educate ourselves a little bit better. And look, there's no saying that exhaustion and you know that fatigue of being a new parent, it is high and it is exhausting. But just having those sort of, I think, factors in place where you know that you're keeping your little one safe as best as you can could simply be the difference of being in Mm -hmm. this situation or not. I just wanted to mention, so I I had made a post on my Ellie's Voice Safe Sleep page last night, but a mom who happens to live locally to me sent me this letter she received from the county saying, welcome to your newest edition, your new baby. Here's some pamphlets on safe sleep. Your new little one's life is very important to us. And I thought, wow, this is great. I had mentioned it to my dad and he said, Emily, you you got that. But it was three days after Ellie died. And on there, it mentions the sofa and everything. And I said, are you kidding me? She was three months when she passed she away. Was three months when she passed away. And that's when you're welcome, your new baby from our yeah. county. And she's sort of essentially already out yeah, of that, like he, vulnerable infant said, stage as such. Yeah. He was <sighs> like, what? And so I reached out to the new mom and I said, when did you have your baby? And she said, August. So it's now December and she just got hers. So it's just, it doesn't make sense. These are little infant lives. These are little precious, delicate, fragile lives. And I feel that moms have so much on their plate. Dads are kind of following suit or have so much on their plate. And I just feel like one, we need medical professionals to be the advocate for our children before we leave the hospital because God knows there are irresponsible parents out there or young somethings who maybe shouldn't have a child right now who are walking away with a baby. So that's why I say, please educate yourself, whether you want to sleep with your baby or not. Know both sides and educate yourselves for the sake of your baby. And that's the thing too. I don't know about in the States, but in Australia, it is quite a... um, a divided community amongst the people who choose to sleep train or co-sleep, whatever it is. And like, I am all for honestly doing what works for you and your family, but just know there is 
safe ways to do this. And in your instance too, we're not talking about bed sharing. It's just that surface sharing. And baby lounges are huge. Like they are so heavily marketed here. And every single baby shower that I've been to, I feel like it's one of the main gifts that someone's giving. And Mm -hmm. yeah, they're beautiful linen. They're aesthetically pleasing. They look beautiful. But at the end of the day, educating yourself too that these aren't a bed because a lot of the time that's what people think. They think, oh, I'll just swaddle my baby. I'll pop them down here and they're, they're close by. I can see them. Yeah. You step away for 30 seconds and go and start making yourself a sandwich or something while your baby's there. All they need to do is turn that head and that's their airway is obstructed. That is all it takes. So there's so many exactly. factors you know, that come into this and we're just not educated because I think everything, all these things look good. Mm-hmm. They might be trendy and they might be mm-hmm. trending on social media and mm-hmm. all the influencers have them or whatever, but yeah. they're not safe. And and I remember, I haven't moved it yet. Her bassinet is still next to my bed. And I remember thinking, God, she doesn't, it's not comfortable. And I'm sure every mom thinks that it's not comfortable, yes. but you know what? It all makes sense. If you want swaddling, some people might not like swaddling, but Ali, as soon as I put her in that swaddle, she was out like a light. She loved yeah. it. She was cozy. You can find ways to make the bassinet more comfortable for them. You know, it doesn't have to be swaddling, but look into the sleep sacks or anything like that. But I just know that if you feel in that bedside bassinet, your baby's not comfortable, they're going to be fine. It's better than the alternative. Exactly. It's better than the alternative. And I think that doesn't change. I myself, like I can think of probably two or three times between my three kids where I would grab them from the bassinet and I'd sit in bed and feed them. I remember one night I woke, honestly, scared me so much because I had fallen asleep sitting up feeding in the bed. Can I tell you something? Yeah. On that note, I have had so many mothers reach out to me, and this is not just in the States, Yeah, from TikTok. I mean, there's people everywhere saying, I have almost lost my child breastfeeding. I have woken up to a blue baby because I've fallen asleep and I've had to shake them I would say I've had probably like 38 to 40 messages like that. Because that's the reality of it. I am a sleep consultant. And look, in saying that, when this was the case, I wasn't. But I am now so heavily educated. But in that moment, that could have ended so differently. It could have. And again, I feel like I was probably more the rule here, not the exception. Whereas in your instance, it wasn't. But it could have been. You know what I mean? I could have been. I remember from that moment on, I was like, I don't care how cold it is. I have to get myself out of bed physically to feed. I made myself, I even remember because I had the bassinet wedged against the side of the bed so I could literally just grab her. And in that moment, I remember I pushed the bassinet about a half a meter from my bed so that I physically had to get out to get her. I just knew that if I didn't, on the hourly wakes, every time she woke, I would just pop her on the boob or something. And mm-hmm. it was yeah, it could have ended so differently. But I think that's a thing. We all so naively feel that we're not doing anything wrong and we're not doing anything wrong, but it can end. It can horribly. And I mean, to this day, she's been gone since June 22nd. I cannot believe that this happened to me. I was so responsible. How did I not think about this? And my second point to parents is before you walk away from your child, just take pause and assess their environment, assess their potential environment and their current environment. Do you have to have a conversation with your husband or your mother-in-law or the babysitter about anything? And honestly, if you have things that you do in your house, you have to make them clear across your family, your spouse's family, anyone watching your baby. 
because I I'm hearing stories too of babies being watched by someone else and that person. Yeah. I couldn't imagine getting a call from the babysitter and your child's gone because they held them in yeah. a chair. So it's yeah. just educate yourself, take pause. In your situation on that day, what do you think could have been done differently to have a different outcome? Because obviously fatigue, like your husband simply was giving her her feed. Yeah. That's- he was, And again, he's a personal trainer. He was up at 4.30 in the morning, took his daughter to his mom's, then brought her back home. Yeah. He dozed off. It happens. I didn't think to say, make sure you do not doze off sitting in a chair. I didn't. Yeah. He, he was just taking her and walking And away, that's the right? thing. Like He was Promise. simply giving her her feed. He needed to sit down. But he needed I guess to in down. hindsight, you're saying he was in the reclining armchair. Like He mm-hmm. was probably putting himself in a situation where he had the potential to get comfy, a little too comfy. Yes. Yeah. And had we talked about it, Think about things you take for granted. I think I've said in one of my videos before is we take advantage of the things we're constantly reminded about and brush them off. And in the surface sharing things I saw, it was always bed, 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 bed. Who sits in a couch chair with a baby? Everyone, every day. That's why, yeah, exactly. Put the couch and chair for everyone. Don't stop just talking about the bed. Talk about surface sharing because this is a newborn's daily life. (laughs) And that's the thing, isn't it? Like we were just saying, everyone focuses and has that thing about co-sleeping and co-sleeping. Yes. The majority of your night, you're obviously, that's where you're sharing the bed, but of a day there's rockers, there's baby lounges, there's surface sharing, like the armchair. There's so many potentials for these hazards and we just aren't educated on those. Right. Just because all these manufacturers have all these products out for babies, do not trust and assume, oh, okay, well, it must be safe. Look into everything. Know how to use everything. And if you think you know how to use something, read the label. I know we have the American Academy of Pediatrics and NHS, but whatever you guys have as far as up-to-date yeah, so you have the AAP and we have, yeah, we have red nose. Okay. Don't be mindless. Just don't be mindless. Your baby's yeah. worth more than that. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard on your socials, I've heard you sort of talk about the fact you were feeling fatigued and things like that and having that support. So what would you recommend to someone who was feeling fatigued and didn't have sort of support at home? Honestly, I think like you said, if you're breastfeeding and you're feeling fatigued, get up, get into a more uncomfortable chair or get off the bed. Just as you said, if you're feeling fatigued and you're alone with a child, do whatever you got to do as far as feeding them, put them alone on their back in their bassinet crib cot. I know you guys call it a cot. Yeah. That baby, you want them safe. If you're feeling fatigued, don't worry. They'll be fine. You can put your hand in there and rock their little... Whether or not you sit by that cot and fall asleep on the ground with your hand on them, that is so on there, you know, next to their cot. It is so much more safer than the alternative. And just, I think, having the tools to remove yourself from that situation and say... 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Them having, you know, a few tears while they're in the cot instead of being in your arms is better than... Do you know, I wish I had those tears back. I wish my little girl was crying right now and I had to hang up with you because I had to go get her, but she's gone. You know, she's... My my little girl died and she was healthy. And, And I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm really not. I'm just trying to be factual about what happened to me because that's what I would want. I'm not trying to preach. I'm just saying, here's what I would do differently. Here's what happened. Because at the end of the day, it was an accident. It was an innocent accident, but 
something that could have been avoided if you were... You don't get a redo. Yeah, if you were more educated on this. I don't want anyone else to feel that they're desperate for a redo like I am. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. If you, in honor of Ellie, can save just one family from going through what you have and their little one... All um, that matter. I think that's a really good voice to have. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm so grateful for you coming on today. And I hope that even one of our listeners today just is able to change and just change the way they're doing things and be more aware and just have that little extra bit of knowledge. We will pop in the links below your Instagram handle so that anyone can come over and have a look at your page and follow along and see sweet Ellie's face as well because, gosh, she's adorable. Yeah, <laughs> Her little cheeks are so sweet. And we will also pop below as well the links to the surface sharing um, red nose pamphlet as well. If you can all please just take 30 seconds out of your day to have a look at that and just become more educated and more aware because like we said, Emily and Ellie were the exception, not the rule, but I would not want, and I know Emily as well, you would not want anyone else to have to go through what you have been and what you still are. And we need more people like you and listen to people like Christy to get you through the moments you don't know are coming. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Well, thank you so much, Emily. I'm honestly, I'm so grateful for you coming on. And I think, yeah, what you're doing is so, so strong. Honestly, you're amazing. And I know that Ellie, yeah, Ellie will be very, very proud of this. And it's good that she can live on through this journey and help to prevent any other families having to go through what you have and and are continuing to. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Sleep Teacher Pod. We hope you've walked away feeling just that little bit more at ease with your parenting journey. Please remember, nothing is a problem until it actually becomes a problem for you and your family. If you've enjoyed our company today, we would love if you could please subscribe or leave a review or maybe even both. But if you are wanting more sleep tips right away, use the link in the show notes to find out how you can get started with one of our amazing sleep consultants and follow us over on Instagram at The Sleep Teacher. We can't wait to be back in your ears next week with more sleep tips. Nighty night.